Hey, hi everyone. Welcome to Choice Podcast and I'm your host Choi Yu Chen. Today's guest is Mark Decker, Dutch architect in Shanghai who has been in China for 9 plus years. Mark represented several Dutch architect firms and as a director Asia and partner for his current firm Inbo, he is leading the Shanghai office since 2015. Inbo is a multidisciplinary design consultancy firm with over 200 experts in the field of urban planning, architecture, interior design and engineering. In this interview, Mark shares his view about the differences between working as an architect in the Netherlands and China, tells us about the projects Inbo has done in China and how it is to compete as a non-Chinese architect firm. How things has changed in the nine years that he is in China, how he integrated the Inbo company culture in the Shanghai office, and so much more. It is really awesome to hear from Mark what his experience is so far. So, with no further ado, Mark Decker. Hey, Mark! Great to have you here in the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me for this、uh, podcast interview. Yes, I'm very excited about this interview. Hey, where where are you right now? You're in Shanghai, right? Yes, I'm、uh, currently working and living in Shanghai.、Now. Yeah, and already for the past nine years. How did your China journey start? I started actually、uh, for a, a, from a previous company, and at that time, I was in the in a lucky circumstance. Our international leader left the company, so there was like a void open, and I volunteered in the company to take. The China part of the business, and at that time the, we were doing the operations from Netherlands, so just flying in and out. And I proposed to do it from Shanghai. So at that time, I already believed that if you want to do business in China, you have to be in China to establish this kind of direct、uh, connection with your clients and your collaborators. It took a little bit of time for them to think about my request, but、uh, I think in a week or two or three, they were like, "Okay, let's just try and see what happened." So then, yeah, then I set up the office for them in in Shanghai. And after three years, I I changed position and then started at Inbo in 2015. Set up the the office here, and then become、uh, one of the the company's partners. And did you want to go to China because of China, or you have、uh, ambition to be, to work internationally? Yeah, in general, I want to work abroad. But of course, there's there were some countries that had my preference. I went on holiday once to China for a five week round trip. Mm. Uh, when I was younger, and that aroused my attention. I think、uh, I was very intrigued by China, about the culture, and also the gr- big differences between China is not one China. There's there's so much to explore, which was always very attracting、uh, attractive to me. And of course, as a starting base in in Shanghai, Shanghai is very international, so relatively easy to get adjusted and live a comfortable life here, and still be available to be able to experience all these other cultures around Shanghai in China. Yeah, and、uh, from a work、uh, perspective, you worked as an architect in the Netherlands, and now for nine years in China as an architect. What are the main differences? Content-wise, I think we yeah, you can do more or less the same. So I think content-wise, I think it's a Dutch approach. A Dutch approach can be applied here. Of course, you influence it a bit with the local cultural local cultural settings. But the biggest differences, I think, one of them is the speed. Things in China just go a lot faster than Netherlands. Where Netherlands a project can take、uh, three, four years from design to construction, maybe even longer. I had、uh, colleagues that worked in the company for five, six years and never built anything. In, in China, we had a project in in nine months from design to constructed, so already completely delivered. So、wow. that's a huge difference. Yeah, that, it can go very fast here. It also 
that also means you have to have a different working attitude. You have to uh, be more adaptable and flexible. The second big difference is the scale. So the projects here in China are a lot bigger, larger than the Netherlands. So actually there's a, like a, I always say there's a shift. What we call architecture here is urban planning in Netherlands. And what we call master planning here is like regional planning in Netherlands. So it's really a shift of scale. So mm. in the Netherlands, architecture is one building or a few buildings. Here, architecture can be like, a, yeah, one project we did is like 30 uh, buildings, for instance. Yeah, that's, yeah. So it's really a different scale. Wow. So you actually experience a, a lot more in a very short time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's for sure. It's intense. Of course, I always work with a very uh, good team of experts. So I never had to do it alone. And I was uh, very fortunate in both companies that there was always a lot of that helped a lot. And, and of course, some local knowledge and local people that also know already the conditions and help me to adopt. But for me, it was also, it was, a, it was part of the, the challenge that I, that intrigued me also. In Netherlands, you can see, you can predict your life, let's say it will happen in the coming 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. And for me, there was a, not really the, the way how I want to live my life. So what I like about China, that every day is different. Or even tomorrow, if the government changed their, uh, the rules or what now the pandemic, things change, can change overnight. That's exactly the thing that I like in China. So the, the, yeah, constantly adapting to changing conditions. And that also keeps me young. I feel like I'm, I have uh, keep having the energy and, uh, and developing myself. That's really, uh, yeah, that's really very positive feeling. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of projects did you uh, work on in China? Can you tell us a bit more about? In general, we uh, the current company is famous for designing uh, the high tech campus in Eindhoven. Mm. Uh, high tech campus Eindhoven is the best performing high tech campuses high tech campus in the world. When it, when you check the output of patented innovations per capita, so we're very well known for this. And also that the people who who want to design or develop a campus, they know this, so they come to us to, to help them in this. We also developed our own theoretical methodology to develop a campus so that's always very useful so that's our main focus then we do urban planning we don't like to do the very big abstract urban planning so we say we stay with within five square kilometers scale which in Netherlands is a big scale but for here uh, it's relatively small scale or it's it's let's say medium size I would say mm. uh, but you also have Huge project here of hundreds of hectares uh, or hundreds of square kilometers. That's something we cannot, we, are, we don't like to do. It's too abstract. And so that's more the, the campus and the urban planning is uh, on a bigger scale. Then we focus on building scale, which is the commercial buildings, like uh, office buildings, uh, mixed-use buildings, urban complex, let's say. And the last category we focus on is the transformation. So existing complexes that we transform into yeah, new functions or new organization of the space. And any That's, particular project yeah. that you're most proud? That's always very difficult to choose one. I would say we recently de- delivered a very uh, nice office building in Guangzhou, right next to the high-speed train station, the South Station in Guangzhou. It has a retail podium that that supplies, let's say, all kind of shops and restaurants that that are needed in this kind of uh, station environment. And then the upper levels has this uh, very interesting shared spaces. It has a big sky lounge. It has an entrance lobby of seven floors high. And this sky lounge also represents a bit what is our core idea about architecture urban planning. We believe that it's very important to bring people to, for society, but also for company development, like innovation in your company. It is important to bring people together with different uh, backgrounds, different education, different mm. ideas. So they you create a kind of environment where people can mix their the knowledge, share the knowledge and mix the, the, the idea, create crossover knowledge exchange. And I, I believe, or we believe that the innovation is starting there. 
So in every of our projects, you will recognize this kind of uh, space where we try to bring people together. So that is very well accomplished in that build on a building level. We also did a project in Nanshan, which is almost finished. Uh, it's a, a campus for future technologies. So that's AI, big data, all these kind of things, but also new financial models, new type of banking. And that's a campus of 70,000 square meters, uh, including a science museum and a conference center. That, that the conference center already and the, and the museum already finished. And that is developed this with, with our team in Netherlands with our, uh, let's say two years ago was a new team for parametric design, which is like a cutting edge new technology that, that is applied in the design uh, world where basically the computer generates part of the design. So it's based on parameters that we use, say, okay, we want to have the, we want to reduce the use of the, 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 waste of uh, material and that's one of the criteria and then the computer can calculate or can uh, uh, offer solutions in terms of uh, facade material to minimize the waste oh, so it generates great. actually the yeah so that's one of the things i'm also proud of that the collaboration yeah. with the dutch team and the, the chinese team was very strong and and we also managed although it's a very new technique and in china the, the our construction company was not ready yet for this kind of technique Oh. Uh, still, we managed to build it, and I, the, the end result is, is uh, very, very beautiful. So I'm very proud of that as well. Oh, that's very in innovative then, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in our company, we have uh, we reserve budget for uh, what we call the, the inbound lab. So we have, whenever there's someone within the company that has a specific idea or technology that they want to explore, yeah. they, can, they can ask for a budget and a team to develop this further. So, for instance, in the past, we had a... And some people were interested in constructing. So then we have the Inbo Lab Wood that they, yeah, they, they, they investigate, research the possibilities. And then they also publish an article or a brochure that yeah. we share with our clients, yeah. collaborators, to basically help everyone to yeah, use this knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really great. Yeah, and you are also applying that in practice as well. Yeah, yeah. One of the things we are doing now is, uh, for instance, the... Is uh, making we're trying to make cities more nature inclusive. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of talking at the moment about inclusivity in cities and countries. But we say that inclusivity is not only about people; it's also about basically everything that lives. So also the, the animals and the and the plants and the trees. So we are now uh, doing research how we can make our cities and our own living environment more nature inclusive. Yeah, and how is this received yeah. in China? We have a few clients now in China that are actually are also looking into this. Also in China, I think in terms of the sustainable developments, some of our clients also have specific departments already that, that are yeah, collecting and researching the elements to make a more sustainable future. And as, of course, the, the integration of green and green systems is, is one of that. So both the exterior greening, but also interior greening. Okay, yeah. so this is quite up to the world level. Yeah, I would say this is uh, this is something that is already also here quite uh, on the agenda. Yeah, in terms of the rest of sustainability, you can see some clients are still a little bit hesitant to really okay. go for it. Uh, I would say the, in general, maybe China is still a little bit behind in in terms of the built environment. But as I've seen in China, within you know China develops very fast, so within you know a few years they can easily reach the same level if they if they push it. And is there a difference so, between commercial organizations or the government? Good question. I don't see a big difference. I think mm. the only thing is that the governments don't really build that much. Yeah? So the, it's mostly the real estate developers that actually 
build most of the things we see around us. And yeah, they are also, of course, looking at the investment of things. So what things cost and how they can get it back. I think a lot of the mainland real estate developers have, have some hesitation sometimes of, of really making buildings on the same green level, let's say, as we have as we are used to in uh, the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still see some a little bit more traditional construction methods here. Mm-hmm. But also that is changing very fast, very rapidly. If I see the overseas developers, so we have also quite a lot of developers from Hong Kong and Singapore. We see in general that they are more up to date. Oh, because also okay. in Singapore and Hong Kong, they already apply all these uh, sustainable sustainable um, features. And also the developers from Singapore and Hong Kong, they usually keep the property. So mainland developers usually try to sell as much as possible. Mm. And the Hong Kong developers and Singapore developers usually they keep the property and then they lease it out. So they are they have more benefit mm. by making a sustainable building and reduce energy use, for instance. Yeah. But also mainland developers are changing. So they they see the model that that, that the other developers are using and they also you know they're also changing. They're also learning and developing. Yeah. Oh, so I'm sure this will change in the coming years. Yeah. But you saw a lot of changes already happening in the last. Yeah, of nine course. Years. Yeah. Yeah. And nine years is uh, <laughs> a lot of things changed. I think when I came here like nine years ago, for me, when I walked into a construction site, for me, it felt like it was like in the Middle Ages, really old school mm. construction methods. Yeah. But yeah, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. Really, a lot has changed. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but in terms more of construction, I think and trained, yeah, yeah, expertise. yeah. Also, take care more of the of the materials on site, mm. uh, these kind of things. Yes, but I think, for instance, like what we see in Netherlands, for instance, a, a lot of the construction in Netherlands is prefabricated. I think that part in China is still a little bit also behind. Oh, there okay. are some very good companies in China that do already prefabrication, but still, there's a lot of construction uh, done on site. Yeah, so just. Because also the labor, I think that we use here is uh, is uh, not that well, not always that skilled. Yeah, there's a lot of the workers from the rural areas. Yeah, help. yeah. So that of course is uh, influences the way how you construct. Yeah, so they learn it on the job usually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and yeah, totally different question. Are, are there is the working environment better compared to so many years? Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you can see that the. Uh, now on the construction side, they take more more care of safety. Mm, yeah. Okay, that's yeah, good so to that's different. Definitely yeah. a big difference. Yeah, and when it comes to our, uh, we also point out these things when we are on the construction side. We see things that are unsafe. We will also always uh, oh, tell oh, yeah. the, the the management that they have to do something about this. Yeah. And so we also try to. There, most of the time, it's not our task in that sense, but we mm-hmm. take our responsibility also to to help and improve the situation, let them see that some things they are doing is maybe not the most the most safe way of doing things. Yeah, because yeah, these group but, of construction yeah. workers, that they have basically built up China. Yeah, yeah I must say that we do quite big projects. So the projects we do are not like villas or small-scale developments. Mm. So these kind of bigger projects usually are taken, well taken care of also of the, of the construction workers. They cannot, it's also big companies that take the space or build, by, uh, build the buildings. So they also don't want to have bad uh, yeah, publicity PR or, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when some accidents happen. So they will take care. Uh, what I see is mostly in small scale things. I still see workers do things that I would say, okay, it's not smart to do it in this way. Make sure you are safe. But I cannot be everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot micromanage. So w- and I- yeah. So where yeah. we can, we try to improve the situation. Yeah. And when it comes to our office, of course, we try to have the same standard as in Europe, as in the Netherlands. And so also there, we, we try to create an environment. When we talk about inclusive, to create an inclusive environment where yeah. everybody can feel free and happy. 
And uh, we also, I also run the office as an atelier, more like an open style. So that we don't have a very strong hierarchy. And so the idea is that also the people that work for us have always have the possibility to share their thinking, their opinions, not only in design, but also the way how we run the company. So when we want to discuss about what is the future of, of Inbo in Shanghai or in China, we will sit down with the whole team and also involve the whole team in the vision for the coming years. Yeah. It's not something we only do from top down. It's really something we involve everyone in to make sure it's really uh, a shared accomplishment and that everybody can be happy when we reach our goals. Yeah, yeah. And it also benefits creativity, probably. Yeah, yeah. There's one of the other things we do is, is that we, we also appreciate a, a healthy work-life balance. We, in principle, we don't work overtime. We don't have the, the, the working weekends. So we basically work 40 hours a week during the weekdays. Also when there's this compensation days in China, which is maybe controversial, but even those days we don't. Because we really believe that people need their, their time, off. Um, yeah. time off to get inspired, meet their friends, exchange. Basically what we also do in buildings, exchange their knowledge, exchange ideas, yeah. go see an exhibition, go yeah. do some sports to re get energized and, and inspired to bring this back to the office and, yeah. and the, bring this into the discussions we have. I think that's uh, more valuable than Just making hours. We are not yeah. an hour, and I think that's also what uh, why the people join us and stay with us. Maybe as a result, we offer a little bit lower salary because we don't make the same amount of hours that that a lot of our competitors do. But I can also see that not many people leave us because they appreciate that they have can have a life next to work. Yeah, so they so react it's also very part positive of our to it. Yeah, yeah. So it's also part of our way to retain our talented staff and and keep them for us for a longer time. Yeah. And, and also offer them opportunities to grow in the office. So. Yeah, so is the organization yeah, managed differently because of their input? Is there something that you had to do different than you would have done because of uh, their comments and their involvement? I, I, I wouldn't know how to point out one specific thing now. Mm. I, because I, for me, it's very difficult because it's like a group process. Yeah. Point out one thing that comes from one person or another. I, I never remember who, who said what. It's more like, Yeah. yeah, it came out from the group discussion. So it's very difficult to pinpoint which which come from who. But for instance, last year, we really developed our strategy of how to approach the Chinese market for the coming years. And then, yeah, the, I think the staff had a very valuable input of which markets and which typology of the, the market we, we should focus. In the meantime, you worked on quite some prestigious projects, so it must mm. be easier in time. But in general, is it hard uh, to, to get a project in China? At the moment, it's a bit more difficult, mm. I would say. I think, in principle, if you know what you're doing and what's your direction and what's your strength, and you can tell that very well, then it should not be a big problem. And so over time, I think we always have clients that appreciate the way how we work, which is more collaborative. We're not a very arrogant architect. So we are, you see a lot of the, like the bigger companies that have a very clear opinion how you develop a project and they stick to it. We mm. are very open and flexible. Uh, and that's something that a lot of our clients appreciate, that it's a dialogue between them and us. And we also use their input to improve the design. So usually the clients that we have, they keep coming back. That's already a, a good thing. But at the moment, it's a bit more difficult because of the also the smaller COVID outbreaks in China. One of the, th the things that our team, that, let's say, let me know is that they prefer not to travel too much because they don't want to risk 
either getting infected or getting stuck somewhere where there's an outbreak and then they cannot return to Shanghai or cannot see the family. Let's say over the course of the past half year, we have minimized our travel travel plans also in China. As a result, of course, we cannot see our clients directly. We cannot uh, meet them in, in, in person. We cannot have the, the coffees or the lunches or the dinners that we used to with them and enjoy our friendships. And as a result, of course, that also leads to the fact that we have less direct commissions. Okay. Yeah, that is that is a clear, direct relationship between those two. As a result, we're doing a little bit more competition, so more like biddings, which is also not bad. You can learn, you can develop new ideas in these biddings. And we were quite successful. We, we, we won two quite big ones and had a few times we were runner-up. So that's, that's, that's also good results. But in general, my team also prefers not to do too many competitions because it's, it asks for a lot of energy and not always automatically leads to built results. Me and my team, we really like to get things constructed. We, we like to see, we'll see the end result of our design efforts. So we are builders, we are doers. We want to get it built. So yeah. uh, that's also what we try to focus on. So our shift, in, let's say in our acquisition, we also try to push back now again to do a little bit less competitions and, and focus a bit more on, on direct commissions that we can get built. Yeah, okay. And how is the competition from, yeah, who, who are your competitors? Are mostly foreign firms or local firms? No, the competition is, is very fierce, I think, in general. Either foreign firms, but also local firms. In the past, of course, there was a very clear distinction between local and, and foreign. Now you see that the locals, they, they try to catch up because they also see that the foreigners, they get more fee, they get the more the prestigious projects. So they either they bought the foreign companies or they hired foreign staff. Uh, a lot of their staff uh, was educated uh, abroad, so they also reach the same level. There's a lot of talented uh, Chinese designers at the moment. So I, I think we have from both sides, we have a lot of uh, competition. Yeah. But again, I think we, have, we are very clear what are our strong points. And, uh, and I also believe that there's still market for this uh, in China. There's a, the Chinese market is still huge. There should be still enough space for us to develop further. Yeah, because yeah, China is indeed huge. And so I think that the biggest cities are more replacing existing buildings. And the second mm. tier are, already, yeah, they're quite developed as well. So it's more towards third tier cities or rural areas. What we see is that the competition in, in, in cities like Shanghai or Shenzhen mm. or even uh, Hangzhou is, is quite fierce. So they, we see that a lot of the, the competitions uh, yeah, all done by the government. They they want to. They they're looking for big names. So the mm. big, really the famous company, which is, I think, a bit of pity because it doesn't give the smaller companies, also local smaller companies, a chance to show maybe a little bit more exciting proposals. I I see that some of the companies they pick is, is also delivering are also delivering the obvious designs. So that's a bit. I think in terms of the the excitement of design and the and the, the, the new development that, that also holds it back a bit. So in, in our opinion, we see more challenge and more possibilities in third, fourth, fifth year cities, mm. where mm. it's also relatively still relatively easy to reach out to the decision makers in the government. Right? In Shanghai, if you want to reach out to, to policymakers or decision makers in the in the urban planning bureau or even higher up, it's, it's uh, virtually impossible. But in smaller cities, there's uh, you can still reach out to them. And, and also have a very good uh, direct uh, communication. And, yes. uh, and that's also the way how we work. So I think for the project we do, it's very important to get this feedback directly and not just uh, drop down your own, only your own opinion. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Local um, governors, local civil servants, they know the best how their 
city, how the neighborhoods, how they work and what, is, what are the needs. So I think it's very important to get their information and integrate it in our, in our designs. Yeah. So I don't know if I understand you correctly, but you, in bigger cities, there's less room for creativity than in... No, I wouldn't say it like okay. this. I, the only thing what I'm saying is that the competition is fierce. And, and in the competitions, I see they pick the, the well-known mm. uh, companies. Yeah. And these companies, they do their thing. So they have a certain approach. But it, it also means that if they, yeah, that, that, that doesn't allow the smaller, or let's say still in China, also a lot of local firms are very big, but they get less chance to, to also show their options. Uh, yeah. So. But I can also uh, imagine I'm not that saying they would it's not possible, than... but it's, I'm not saying it's not, there's no, there's not, there's less room for creativity mm. in big cities. I'm just saying the way how it's organized, especially the competitions, I think it limits a bit the possibilities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that maybe they would choose the more safe design. I was thinking. Yeah. Maybe also more yeah. mainstream and that maybe in the smaller cities, they want, they're open to a little bit more prestigious or mm. yeah, non-standard. I think also, yeah, also, I think I it's, I think, a bit related also to the way how China is organized with the five-year plan. So everyone who is in a position, they need to show result within the five years. Hmm. And, and in hmm. that sense, if you hire a famous company, you can also, I think, you have less risk. Hmm. You feel that you have less risk because you, you, know, you have the big name already on the table. Also, marketing-wise, it's, uh, it's good because you will be sure there will be a lot of media attention. So it, it will generate a lot of positive news around you and your position. Yeah, but yeah, we spoke about competition. You also have to compete with these companies to get talent in China. Mm. Is, that, is it difficult for you to find and, and, and keep talent? Yeah, you're saying that they really like the working environment within Invo, so that helps? Yes, it is difficult in general. I think all the design companies have the same issue. In general, I think there's a shortage of, uh, of talented designers. In our case, we also prefer bilingual. I'm still looking for Chinese designers, not foreign designers, because, because I also don't want to, to have a situation where uh, Chinese design, talented Chinese designers are mainly translating for the foreigners uh, in the company. So I want to have yeah. a, a good balance in that. Maybe 10% should be foreigners, the rest should be locals. But it means that you need to have a need to find bilingual talented designers, which yeah, is a relatively yeah. small pool to, to 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 catch, let's say. So that's not easy. And then, of course, yeah, what I said already, we offer this very healthy working environment. But also, a lot of people prefer to have uh, to focus more on the money side. So they want to settle maybe in in Shanghai. Shanghai is not cheap, so you need to have certain income to be able to buy a house or or rent a house or even set up or start your family. Not everybody has the, the priority at the beginning to have a healthy work-life uh, relationship, but they focus more on the financial part. And then I think with a big firm where you work six days a week, you can earn quite a lot of money. Hmm. Okay, but so it's the standard they have to work there six days a week. I wouldn't say standard, but I think if you want to earn more money, you have to hmm. make more hours. So that yeah. makes, uh, makes sense. And there's more pressure. So we don't have to compete with, with those people because just they just have another purpose. So we try to find the people that, that already can yeah, have this more balanced life. We try to already contact them in the Netherlands. So we know we have good connection with the university in, in Delft. We oh. have, of course, our office in Amsterdam. So mm. we can already, we have a place in Amsterdam. We, we have a training position. So we have always one place or two places for talented Chinese designers that are studying in the Netherlands or living in the Netherlands at the moment. And during their search year, they can work for us in the Netherlands. They already get used to the culture, get used to our yeah. principles. 
And then from there on, they can make the jump to our Shanghai office. So that's how we try to, yeah, how to find the, the talent. Yeah, that is a smart recruiting uh, strategy. But if you're recruiting directly in China, are there any prestigious universities that you you will keep an eye on? Not really, actually. No. I mean, normally, when we look for stuff, we just we just publish a, a job offering, and then see who comes. Most of the time, we try to. I, I think in in our team, I see that people get adjusted e- most easy if they have a foreign experience. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not only company culture, but also the way how we as a Dutch Dutch designers approach assignments with this more collaborative, very flat organization, open setting. So where we also expect everybody to be active, actively part of the conversation. So that's with people who have only been studying in China. Usually it's a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. They still have to make that step or have that. Uh, yeah. So, so they still, yeah, yeah, they, the yeah usually yeah. they are more like uh, waiting for instructions instead of uh, being proactive, have a pro- proactive attitude. Of course, there's a, there's a very good uh, education in, in China. Tongji University is, is the, the top prior, top university in, in, in China, but maybe can already compete with, with world level. Okay. In that sense, I think uh, yeah, education is already on a quite a high level here. Okay, good to know. Yeah, totally different question. Yeah, someone uh, asked me to ask an architect uh, who's working in Asia, and it is that in uh, the West, it is you can be more creative with your work compared to being in China. Is that true? No, I don't think this is true. Okay. Actually, to me, be honest, I think for me, I can be more more creative and free in China because uh, in Netherlands, I know who you talk to, where the person comes from, but in Netherlands, I think the restrictions are quite. Uh, precise and quite detailed okay so i feel the there's too many restrictions to be you can be creative but it's the there's quite a lot of limitations most of the time and in china so you can be creative within the limitations in china i feel that actually there's less limitations and and clients really want clients really also come to you and say hey i don't need i don't know what i what i need can you help me to discover what i need in the netherlands i would get a get a brief i would get a very clear brief from my client and and telling us what they need in china we are very often already before there's any brief we are already discussing with the client what is it what they want what they yeah. need in my opinion it's a, a little bit more back to yeah let's say 20 years ago or 30 years ago in netherlands where we also had this position so you're more like a, a friend you're more like a friend consultant expert position instead of uh, in netherlands you're more like a execution part of something they already they or had in mind something yeah. already in mind so yeah and now you can really design in china yeah, yeah you can really yeah you don't only design the project but you also design the whole brief the whole starting point yeah, of, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. of your project yeah so that's yeah. Uh, the creativity already starts earlier yeah okay yeah and in shanghai there's a lot of demolition going on has been going on how is it with the historical buildings is there a special policy around that yes there is there's certain areas are protected of course so like the Bund area is of course protected area so this is quite detailed overview done by the planning bureau um, about which buildings need to be kept and which ones uh, which ones can be demolished yeah i know for jing an because we have quite close relationship with the jing an planning bureau that they have done quite an intense study for the whole jing and the new jing and area so including the jabe district mm-hmm. of every old building that, that is important and it has to be kept. So they have a very detailed uh, document about this. And then they also clearly write down what kind of things you can do and which you cannot do. So some monuments have to be basically not touched, only cleaned up. 
And yeah. some monuments can be, how to say, say can be can have an addition or can be changed a little bit, or you just need to make sure it's still, you can still see the traditional features. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have to be too scared if I go back to Shanghai that the whole city has um, been replaced by big malls and skyscrapers. The answer is nuanced. In my opinion, they demolish a bit too much. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's always, of course, the question is uh, how much do you value certain areas? I think, in my opinion, there is a little bit more place that I would uh, assume it's valuable, especially in the city center. Do you have an example? We had an office before in Jing'an on on Huai'an Road. Mm. Uh, And uh, that area actually now they demolished, I think, seven or eight blocks. Mm. They kept some existing buildings, but for me, it's only like a, if you keep only 10% or 5% of the existing buildings, it, you also lose somehow the context. If you just keep one villa, but the, all the around is a new shopping mall, yeah, it's, it doesn't give you the, let's say, the, it doesn't let you see the original character of the city, let's say. So they have done a very severe study of the buildings, but I don't think they realized that uh, by demolishing everything around it, you also lose the context a bit. Yeah. So that's something for me also, I'm a bit in between. So I'm not clear yet if I, yeah, if I, if I'm happy with it or not. So these seven blocks in, in Jing'an, for instance, they are, yeah, there will be big new development with a lot of shopping malls. I have to see when it's finished, how this represents the new city. And, and, and if I feel like it's still, you can still feel the original character of the city there. But the original buildings are not that, spe- yeah, okay, from a you know, non-architectural point of view, it's, <laughs> yeah, the I don't remember that they, those are very special buildings or were they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now we're talking about individual tastes. So that's very difficult to say. Um, yeah, I don't even me. remember, but I, I, I was just more thinking about the areas with the antique market, the Shikuman yes. more houses and the, the small lanes. and No, yeah, that character is definitely demolished a lot. The, on the other side, I also know that when we go a little bit more outside of the city center, Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of these kind of environments left. Oh yeah. Just okay. because they're further away, but the, yeah. But indeed, uh, these kind of areas, yeah, they replace the antique market in a modern new building, but it's it doesn't have the same feeling. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody, everybody who lives in Shanghai for for longer time, they know these kind of areas, the the fabric market, the antique market, and that this kind of very unique character that these areas had. Yeah, those, those disappeared, which is, yeah. in my opinion, very sad. It's not only saying that these buildings there were old and were not good anymore to live in it, it's the whole character it had yeah. that you should protect. not not only focus on the quality of the buildings itself it's, yeah. i would say it's more like a city ecosystem that you should protect instead of only decide that the building is not a good quality anymore yeah um so you could also say what if you just uh, empty all those uh, buildings only keep the, the market the outside, but make yeah. sure it's safe again and it keeps the same atmosphere, then it's, yeah. uh, that could also be the direction. I think that there's yeah. more usual in, in Europe to approach it like that. And Yeah, I, I would say in general, I think what I see is that a lot of the new constructions are very slick and very clean and very corporate. Mm. Mm. Um, so in my opinion, it, it often lacks a bit of this human scale and, and detailing and richness of, of the old traditional architecture. Yeah. So that's what I, in general, uh, miss a bit in, in, in general in new architecture. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, going from the past to the future, to my uh, usual questions to, to my guests. And the first one is 10 years from now, where are you? What are you doing? 
10 years are far away, especially in Chinese uh, situation. <laughs> Things change overnight here. You never know what happens Maybe tomorrow. you're not in China. Well, that could be. I'm running this company now for six years, this office. Mm-hmm. And I hope in, in time, some of my team members here can take over my tasks and that I can have my hands free to set up another branch in, in or maybe several branches in, in Southeast Asia. Now, for me, it's very difficult because for me, Shanghai is unique. The type of energy, kind of energy, the, the dynamics, the, the, it's very vibrant here. To be honest, I haven't seen many places in, in, in the world actually have this kind of energy. Yeah. So I'm still doubting a bit where, what would be the next step? Okay. I think what, for me, what comes closest is the, is the Saigon. So yeah. in Vietnam. Yeah. But also still have the mix of the traditional and, and also have already the growth of the more modern uh, lifestyle. Yeah. So that's, that's something that, that's, that is intriguing me. Also Vietnam as a country that is developing. Yeah. It's very interesting. I think. In general, I think I like the countries where that they are developing. So I see the, 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 the maybe things in China of nine years ago, this kind of transition. Vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then help help and be part of this kind of transition to, to a more modern development. So I think that's something that, that I like the most. And I see that maybe in what I said in Vietnam, maybe Indonesia still has a lot of potential. Mm. Uh, yes, I would say those. Korea, I think, is a good climate, but I'm not, uh, let's say, architecture climate. I'm not, not sure if I can um, set up a business there. I don't know, don't know how open it is for yeah. uh, really established there. But I think Vietnam and, and Indonesia or Malaysia maybe are more relatively easy to start and, and yeah, get into the market there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, maybe also still in China. Who knows, right? 10 years from well, now. Well, it's uh, always intriguing. So I would not say I don't come back to China. I cannot imagine not coming back to China. So mm. for sure, even if I would be living abroad uh, in one of the other uh, countries here, for sure, there will be a strong Connection tie. Always, yeah. And and I, for sure, I would love to still visit the office here and, and once in a while and just uh, be part of this uh, very nice team and, and, yeah. the, and, the, and the cool project they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for uh, sharing um, so much information. It's very interesting to, to hear from your point of view and all what you have been through. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to share and it's interesting to know? No, well, the only thing is, I, uh, what is uh, for me still surprising that I still see sometimes that there's companies or people that still think that China is easy, that they get a phone call or an email. Yeah. And they think they can get the project or mm. do something and do business in China. I think nine years ago already, it was not that easy. You really have to be here. You put a lot of energy in it. You have to make effort uh, to really get the business going here. I would say to people who still think that uh, by one phone call, one ticket, you get uh, you get business here. I think that's very naive. I think yeah. still, you really have to realize that you have to invest quite some time and energy before you can actually uh, do something here. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it's for sure it's a lot of fun. So I would say it's worth it. But uh, yeah. yeah, keep this in consideration. It's not it's not an easy, fast, big thing. Yeah, yeah. And can people uh, reach out to you if they want to know more? Sure, sure. People already do, but of course they can reach out to me on my LinkedIn uh, and WeChat, of course. So that's yeah. uh, okay. Well, on our company websites, I'm my name is there, my email address is there. So it's uh, it should be it should be easy to find me. Yeah. Okay. And I will make sure I'll put it in text as well. Yeah. Very so good. thank you very much, Mark. Super uh, interesting and good luck thank with everything. Thank you very much for having me and uh, see you soon. Hopefully. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>